Unpacking Injustice with the Montana Innocence Project. This podcast tells the real stories behind wrongful and unjust convictions and illuminates the complex issues responsible for making our criminal justice system unjust. Today, we are joined by MTIP Executive Director Amy Sings in the Timber for a discussion about second chance work and how this might address unjust convictions in Montana. Let's begin unpacking. The Montana Innocence Project is beginning the exciting work of digging into how we can meaningfully address not only wrongful convictions, but also unjust convictions. In today's episode, Amy breaks down what second chance work is and how our organization is in the early yet promising stages of understanding mechanisms of release for the unjustly incarcerated. Take a listen. Could you begin by introducing yourself and your role with the Montana Innocence Project? My name is Amy Sings in the Timber, and I serve as the executive director of the Montana Innocence Project. Could you explain what second chance laws are? I I can to the best of my ability, um, because I kind of just want to start out by saying that I am not an expert in second look um, laws or second chances overall. Um, I am learning this as our organization is uh, learning this. But um, with that said, I, I can give some basic background on second look laws and um, and we can go from there. There are a number of different uh, states that are taking a look at second look laws, uh, as well as uh, some federal initiatives that are underway. Um, There is a model penal code uh, that recommends sentence, uh, uh, ability to petition for sentence modification after an individual has served 15 years of their sentence. And, and then that particular uh, model penal code would offer an opportunity to take a look every 10 years thereafter, assuming that um, the sentence uh, was held after the first 15-year appeal. Um, in Washington, D.C., th- there is a second look amendment um, that was adopted in 2019 and enacted in 2021, that if a sentenced, um, if an individual was under the age of 25 when they were sentenced, that they would have the ability to petition after serving 15 years of their sentence. And uh, it's it's under the judge's discretion, And the considerations are whether or not the individual is a danger to society and um, whether or not continuing to serve any additional time would be in the interest of justice. Um, The National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers uh, drafted some model legislation in 2020 uh, and that also uh, allow would allow for a um, prisoner to petition for release after 10 years 
ABA resolution um, on the second look uh, is also after 10 years. And so it's kind of this um, general sense that after an individual has served 10 to 15 years of time, um, we should really be looking at whether or not it makes sense to continue to incarcerate someone. Um, and then uh, there's, you know, an organization called um, uh, FAM, Families Against Mandatory Minimums, that has a second chance, what they call a second chances agenda. It takes a look at all of these second look laws and, um, and what makes uh, sense for different states out there. And it also includes taking a look at the expansion of compassionate release and uh, increasing the use of clemency. Could you talk a little bit about why the Montana Innocence Project is interested in second chance laws? Certainly. Um, so, you know, the Montana Innocence Project's or its first 12 years uh, um, in existence was very squarely focused on taking a look at the drivers of wrongful conviction and policy around um, reducing or eliminating those drivers. Um, but what we're seeing is that the system overall is, uh, is flawed. A lot of the the drivers of mass incarceration uh, overlap with some of the very things that lead to wrongful or uh, what we refer to as unjust convictions. Um, meaning, you know, the average um, the average uh, defendant uh, is considering many things when they are faced with uh, whether or not. Uh, to take a plea deal versus uh, go through a trial. And uh, some of those things uh, really rest on the fact that if an individual isn't innocent of a crime, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are guilty of what they've been charged with. Um, there's a lot that goes into the thought process of whether or not to accept uh, some of these plea deals or um, to go forward with a trial and risk a lengthier sentence in the end for something that uh, they may or may not have uh, committed or that um, they you know may or may not um, be guilty of in its entirety. So as the Innocence Project is taking a look at our mission and our scope of work. Um, we've recognized that you can't extract some of these things one from another, um, that there are plenty of uh, issues that have overlap and that in order to be doing our due diligence across the board, um, we really need to be taking a look at the system more broadly. Um, MTIP is interested in the both the intersectionality of um, innocence work and uh, second look laws uh, in the way that they serve both innocence work and 
the criminal legal system at, at, at large. And could you talk about how the Montana Innocence Project is engaging with Second Chances work currently and um, what people can expect from our organization in the future as it relates to this work? Sure. So, um, you know, one of the things that I had mentioned earlier is that we are we're learning on this front and uh, we are doing that through engaging with the Second Chances um, working group uh, and and really taking a look at what other states are doing, um, what is underway, um, having conversations uh, in Montana to learn from individuals, um, other, uh, you know, sort of peer organizations and really kind of all of the stakeholders and uh, operators in the criminal legal system here in Montana to say, what is making sense? What isn't? And uh, what would be right for Montana as we're taking a look at rising, um, not only prison populations, but jails that are beyond capacity and kind of the finance, the fiscal and the human impacts that that has in the state. Um, so very much in a learning phase right now. Um, and part of that learning is learning how that fits in with uh, MTIP's mission and current scope of work and how our uh, organization might grow in uh, an organic way uh, to address some of those issues in this state. Second chance work looks at what we like to refer to as unjust convictions. Why should innocence advocates care about unjust convictions in addition to wrongful convictions? Uh, so I think one of the things that's important to think about uh, as we are talking with those folks who have supported innocence work um, for, for a much longer time and are just starting to uh, learn about second look laws in the way that we are and, and hopefully embrace the work uh, under this um, broadened scope is that there are some very real costs uh, to, there are some very real costs to mass incarceration. Um, and, you know, I, I had mentioned earlier taking a look at the financial costs, the fiscal impacts of it. Um, I think it's kind of staggering to note that state spending on corrections has grown 324% over the past 33 years. I mean, that alone um, really should give folks pause uh, and, and make people curious about why is that? How has that come to be? Um, if what we're saying is that our criminal legal system exists uh, to ensure public safety and realize justice, how has our, our world changed so much in the past 
roughly 30 years that we've needed to increase spending to lock people up by that significant of an amount. Um, you know, and then taking a look at uh, the public safety aspect of things, we know that uh, low risk offenders who spend less time in prison are 4% less likely to recidivate than those with longer sentences. And that tells us that if the idea of prison is not punishment, but rehabilitation, we are actually causing more harm by locking folks up for longer periods of time. Um, and the human costs are undeniable. Right now in the US, one out of 28 American children have an incarcerated parent. Two thirds of those folks are locked up for nonviolent crimes. And, you know, if you kind of peel that back a little bit more and we're taking a look on how we're spending resources and the impacts that it's having on not only those families, but their communities and society overall, 65% of families with an incarcerated family member cannot meet basic needs. So we've got things wrong in a lot of ways. If we are putting people behind bars, because, rather than focusing on how we can um, make families healthy and whole, and then in, in the instances where folks are behind those bars, we're spending time um, and resources keeping them locked up rather than truly rehabilitating and providing the kind of resources and, um, and focus that it's going to take for them to come back to society and be successful, perhaps for the first time be successful. Um, We've really, we've really got a, a big problem because there will be no end to mass incarceration in sight if the if the real drivers that well the driver that we're stating isn't the real driver behind uh, incarceration. And so I think as folks are thinking about innocence issues, um, I think once again there's this inability to sort of pull innocence issues completely apart from the greater issues of our criminal justice system and how it's failing all of us as a society. Is there anything else you want to add that I didn't ask you? Uh, I guess the only other thing that I would just want to make clear is that um, we are uh, Montana Innocence Project is not currently the experts in this space and that we are working with uh, organizations and individuals who are, um, who have spent a significant amount of time focusing on these specific issues. It's not that MPIP is setting out to become experts in this space. It is that uh, we recognize that in this moment, there are not very many uh, organizations in the state of Montana 
who have started asking these questions and really uh, started digging in. And so we're looking for those allies in this uh, in this effort. Uh, we cannot do this alone. Um, we still very much are an innocence organization focused on innocence issues, but that um, we recognize that because they can't be pulled completely apart, they are part of one another, that um, we're making a commitment to do the work and uh, and look into these things in a meaningful way. is a Montana Innocence Project podcast. The artwork was created by Rob Truax, and the music was composed by Corey Fay. To learn more about the Montana Innocence Project, visit our website, mtinnocenceproject.org, or follow us on social media at Big Sky Innocence. To submit a case, visit our website and click on the Request Legal Assistance tab. Thank you for unpacking injustice with the Montana Innocence Project.